running a few minutes late here, so try to get moving. All right, so we are continuing our study on questions in the Gospels. Um, this week we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Um, so let me, that'll be the Richer and Euler. So let me pray and then we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. We thank you for your love for us that you would um, reach down and reveal yourself to us through your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to this earth um, and that we can see how you walked on this earth and you were such an example for us, uh, living and walking by the Spirit. So we just um, thank you for this time. We ask that your Spirit would be the one to open our hearts and guide us and that we would be willing to be taught by you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before I read, I've just got a quick um, quick thought for you. If just to kind of get us a little bit thinking about this. If I, um, if I walked up to, to say, Porter, and um, I, maybe I didn't know Porter that well, and I said, hey, Parker, how's it going, you know? Um, he, how might he react? Like, do you just call me Parker? You know, my name's Porter. Um, I, like for me, I, I know that oftentimes when I would get on the phone and when I'm on the phone with somebody, I'll say, you know, yeah, I, I, I deal mostly with work kind of stuff. And they'll be like, so, okay. I said, who is this? This is Jeff. And they'll be like, is it Greg? I don't know why it's always Greg, but it's always Greg. It's like, is it, no, Jeff. I've gotten to where I'm, I hope I'm a little better about enunciating what it, what it is. But, um, but you know, so no, it's, it's Jeff. It's, it's, so there, it's this soft kind of, it's a gentle reprimand of, no, you got it wrong. This is, this is what's correct. Okay. So just kind of that, that's just a little bit of a thought to keep in your head here as we read, um, John cha or Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 17 through 19. We're going to start there. We'll, we'll, we'll go through, uh, we're going to go through verse 31 overall, but we'll just start with these three. Mark, Mark, sorry. I know, we've been in John. I decided we're going to mix it up a little bit. I did say questions in the Gospels, so, you know, it's all fair game. That's right, exactly. Good point. I might, though. It could go anywhere. All right, um, so John, Mark, see, Mark chapter 10. We've been in John too much. We are in Mark this morning. Mark chapter 10, starting verse 17. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, um, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Okay. If I'd have done that, it would have been a lot easier. Um, so it's interesting, Jesus doesn't immediately address the man's question. Um, in fact, as, as we read this, it feels as if Jesus is, is taking issue with being called good. Like Porter being called Pete, uh, Parker or me being called Greg. Is that what he's doing? Is he taking issue with the fact that this young man is calling him good? No, no it's not what he's doing. What, what did this young man intend by starting 
his question with calling Jesus good? Flattery. Flattery? Yeah, yeah, it can be. I, I, I think that in that culture, yeah, there's this flattery that is not always sincere, but I do think that he probably recognized Jesus is good. He's different. There's something different about him. So, um, but it could be kind of like an honorific title. It's, you know, good teacher. Um, I think he saw Jesus as good, but it's also just kind of the nice thing and the nice way to say it, right? Um, so when Jesus was answering, was he correcting him? Was he saying, no, you're wrong? I don't think so. What's he doing? He's trying to get him to see the truth, I think. Trying to wake him up to what is real, not just polite. It feels to me like there should be this pregnant pause here between Jesus saying, um, no, was, no one is good except God alone. All right, you're not getting that. Okay, you know the commandments, right? It's like, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. Right? I mean, I'm God, right? Why are you calling me good? What do you see good in me? What you see good in me is you see God in me. Um, And so I, I just... It's one of those things that, we're, it, that, that we easily can pass over because it feels kind of like that, you know, oh, no, you weren't supposed to call me that. Oh, sorry, yeah, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, but I, this is one of those questions that I love in the Gospels where Jesus says, why do you call me good? You're calling me good because I am good, because I am God, because only God is good. You know, it's, it's, um, it's this basic if-then equation. Jesus says, if I truly am good, in the same way that only God can be good, then it follows that I must be God. He doesn't push it. He's not, that's not his, you know, he's not trying to force that in there, but, but he says it, and it's not insignificant. Um, I don't think that, you know, the young man is not inquiring about Jesus' character or nature, He's simply being polite. He's being respectful because he wants an answer to his question. Um, we assume, as has been said, that, we, that he thought Jesus was good, not, just not that good, not yet anyway. He didn't, he didn't think he was God quality of good. He just thought he was a good teacher. Um, but I just think Jesus isn't inclined to pass by any teachable moment, even if he's going to leave the question hanging. It's there. It's been said. Um, you can, you can think about that one later, you know. Um, hey Jeff, yes? Did you notice the use of the word inherit? Like it's sort of a family. Mm. And gotcha. And um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. What do I have to do to, to inherit yeah. eternal life? Yeah. Yeah. Did I see another hand? Okay. Um, so... What question was the man actually asking? What's he actually asking? How do I get to heaven? heaven? Right? What do I have to do? What's at the heart of that question? What's at the heart of that question? What does he have to do? Yeah, I mean, 
why? Why is he asking it? Because he doesn't know. He wants to be in heaven. He wants, he wants to know what he's got to do to inherit eternal life. I think, I think there's fear, right? There's uncertainty. There's confusion. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I've been hearing these things, but what, what does it really take? And he recognizes, obviously, in Jesus, someone who is, is saying different things than just what the, what the spiritual leaders have been saying. Um, so did all, did all Jews believe there was an afterlife? Or an eternal life? No, we know this. Why, Max? Yeah, that. That's part of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we know that not all Jews believed in the afterlife. Where's, where's that come from? Anybody remember? Sadducees. Yeah, the Sadducees. When they asked Jesus, you know, they give him the whole scenario of the, the woman who's married to the guy, and he dies, and she marries the next one, and she marries the next one, she marries the next one, she marries the next one, and, you know, who's... Whose wife is she in the afterlife? Because they don't believe in the afterlife, so they're trying to set him up and you know, make him look foolish. And, of course, that doesn't work out for him. So we know that not all Jews believed in an afterlife. Um, so we don't know whether this young man does or not. Um, what's that? It sounds like he does, but it, part of his question may be, is there an afterlife? Right, right. But I think, there's, I think there can be a lot of things going on here. Uh, does his question seem sincere? Yeah, there are all kinds of people that ask Jesus questions trying to set him up. I don't think that's what this young man is doing. I think it's a very sincere question. Um, he could be searching out not just what it takes to achieve eternal life, but also to try, trying to determine if Jesus believes there's a life after death as well. Um, how would you describe Jesus' answer? What, what is required to be welcomed into eternity with God? Okay. Apart from Jesus, what would it have to be? Perfection, right? You would have to do everything perfectly. You would have to keep the law perfectly, and then you wouldn't need Jesus. That's all it takes. We're good, right? No, we're not. That's why we're here. We know we're not good. We know it doesn't work for us. Um, so either that or you have to find someone else uh, who is perfect, who's perfect to essentially give their perfection on your behalf. And that's why we're here, because Jesus has done that. Um, so Jesus' answer to him is correct. It's just humanly unattainable, right? Um, Jesus basically says, keep all the commandments and you'll be fine, you'll be good, you'll, you can attain eternal life. It's really simple, okay? Um, so verse 20, the young man says to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. If this statement were true, then the man should feel relieved. 
and should head home, right? According to what Jesus just told him, all you have to do is keep all these commandments. And he's like, yeah, I've done that. But he's not. Um, is it possible that this young man had done a pretty good job of keeping, at least outwardly, keeping the commandments? Yeah, sure, it's possible. Um, right, it's very possible. Um, it's possible, it's likely that he'd never actually murdered anyone, committed adultery, stolen, lied, at least, you know, it's, since he'd re reached the age of accountability or whatever, defrauded, etc. Um, yeah, that's possible. Is that what it takes? Is that what's required for eternal life? Not what he's getting at. 1 Samuel 16:7 But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." The Lord sees our hearts. The Lord sees what's really going on inside when we want to make ourselves look good. And we can do that with each other. We can make ourselves look pretty good with each other. But the Lord knows what's really going on in our hearts. And so that's why Jesus talks about, you can say, you know, you can say, I've never murdered anybody, but have you ever had hatred toward your brother in your heart? Well, yeah. Well, you've murdered him, you know. Um, have you looked with lust and a woman, you know, well, yeah, okay, you've committed adultery. You know, it's like, okay, the heart is what matters. Um, we can only see what our eyes see. We cannot see the motivations behind the actions of another, but God sees and he does. And uh, Luke chapter 16, and he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is detestable in the sight of God. God knows our hearts. God sees the motivations of our hearts. The thoughts behind our actions, the thoughts we don't share with others, and we uh, judge those, uh, He judges those thoughts and motivations, not just what's seen on the outside. Um, but the man didn't go away satisfied that he was going to go to heaven based on what he had done. Um, even though he had just acknowledged, he had just said, yeah, I've, I've done all those things. Um, he basically said, I've fulfilled what Jesus told me I needed to. Um, but then we see the compassion of Jesus. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Uh, what does it say Jesus felt for him? Felt love for him. Does this answer sound like love? <laughs> does it sound like compassion? Just go get rid of everything you own, get rid of everything you're familiar with, and everything you find comfort with, and come with nothing and follow me, the homeless guy. It'll be great you'll have treasure in heaven. Is this how we feel like we should express love to someone? That would, be our, would that be your first reaction? Not typically, right? 
What does Jesus not do that we might expect? We might expect him to, wrote, uh, to quote Romans and, and you know, correct this guy's wrong theology, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Or maybe 1 John, um, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah. He is. Right. 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 Yes, very much so. Yeah, I think he's not in my in my in, when I look at it, he's not hitting it as directly as I think we would tend to hit it. You know, we go, here's your verses, here's your, you know, you've sinned, you're a sinner. You know, you got to repent. Um, he doesn't do that that way. You know. Um, Jesus doesn't argue with him about how good he's been. He doesn't say, no, you haven't. He doesn't go there. Um, he just goes straight to the heart of the man's idolatry, his stuff and his lifestyle. You're rich, and you don't want to be without that. And that's a problem. And then verse 22, at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. Wait, what? He's leaving? Jesus is going to let him walk away? Really? Isn't Jesus going to go chase him down and explain it? That's right, we do. Isn't he going to go tell him about grace and how he'll cover it, cover it with his death and resurrection? Where's the love here? He does know his heart. And, and yeah, the, the, the um, can't think of the right word, but, but Jesus isn't done, right? The young man's going to walk away. It does not mean Jesus is done with him. I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Verse 23, And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Why was this so astonishing to them? Yeah. The, the assumption is, and, and, you know, God blessed Israel when they were faithful. You know, sometimes they were blessed when they weren't as well. But, but the assumption was, if you're wealthy, if you're doing well, it's because you've got God's favor on you. You are, you are blessed. Um, wealth and prosperity were associated with God's blessing. If the rich aren't favored by God, then who is? And looking at them, verse 27, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. So it's not impossible. Yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah. 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 If, if God's happy with you, he's going to give you stuff. If you don't have stuff, you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough, you're not praying enough, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. That's very common. 
very common. Even, in, even oftentimes with people who aren't in a health and wealth kind of a church or, or situation, but our, our hearts run to that. Like if I do all the right things, then you have to bless me. Not just you will bless me, but you really owe me if I'm doing the right things, right? And so if, if, and so if I'm not wealthy, then I need to be doing different things. I need to be changing something that I'm not doing. I need to, again, I need to be praying. I must not have enough faith. I'm, you know, there's something lacking in the things that I am doing if God's not blessing me. Well, and that's what's so remarkable, because this guy had everything, right? Right. Anybody would expect that he would have been happy and confident and healthy. Yeah, it's... And yet he needed, he needed, he needed. Right. Yeah, it had to be a little shocking to the, to the disciples that this guy who's wealthy is coming asking this question. You know, really? Why, why, does he, why does he not feel good? Why does he not feel like he's secure? And of course, we see it in our society all the time when people who are extremely wealthy, extremely um, high up and, and uh, popular and all these different things commit suicide. And you go, really? So all that stuff didn't really get it done, huh? No, it, it didn't. We should be the ones who know that better than anyone. That, those things don't satisfy. They aren't, they aren't what we need. They're not what, we're, they're not what are going to bring us contentment and joy in life. Um, so it's impossible. It's not impossible um, for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven or for anyone to, but it takes God to bring it about. So now we might turn the statement around where Jesus has just said that it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom on his own. Now he says when God gets involved, even a rich man can be saved. He just has to give up everything. Does that make you uncomfortable? <laughs> Let's finish up uh, the, this uh, section, verse 28 through, uh, through 31. Uh, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So Peter connects the dots. It's like he says, okay, what you just described is us. We've abandoned everything and followed you, just like you just told that rich guy to do. And Jesus is not, acknowledges, yes, you're getting it. So we, we come to Jesus saying, I want you, I need you, I will do anything for you when we recognize what he has done for us. Oftentimes, we should be on our knees just humbled. So he says, great. Give up everything and come follow me. And we go away sad because we don't want to give up what we're comfortable with, what we're accustomed to, what we feel we can't live without, those things that have become sacred to us. 
If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, if you have acknowledged your sin and need for Him, if you have cried out to Him to save you from your sins, you are saved. But we are all still hanging on to something. Some things that we're simply unwilling to let go of, some things that we would have to say are sacred to us. We've all got some of those things. Don't get me wrong, we've all given up something as well. You can't honestly come to Christ and say, I'm a sinner, I need salvation, without giving up some of your pride, some of your self-sufficiency. Yeah. But we hang on to some of our will, too, right? We give up some of it, and that's my point. We give up some things. There's no question. In order to come to Christ, you have to, if you come honestly to Christ, you're a believer, you have given up some things. You, you've given up the right to say, I got this, I can do it on my own. Praise the Lord, we've given that up. Um, although sometimes we still pull it back. Sometimes we say, I'm, I, I, I better take care of this one today. Or I feel like I need to earn today. But we're still hanging on to some things sometimes. I want to talk about what those are. I, I thought of five different categories of things that we tend to hold on to. Can you all help me think of what those five categories might be? Money. Money? What would that go into a bigger category of? Possessions. Possessions. And you guys may think of more than just than the five I did, but, but possessions is one. What else? Relationships. relationships. Think of a bigger word for relationships. People. Just people in general. That's, I almost came up with five Ps, but I didn't, I didn't pull it off. <laughs> but. Yeah, I figured I probably would. As I was looking at it, it didn't look right. At least I know what I did wrong. What's that? Okay. I didn't have that one, but that's a good one. Got to get back to my notes and see what I had on there. I think that one may fit into another one that I've got, but we'll, we'll go with that for now. What else? Power. I had position. Okay. That was my third P. So sometimes it's positions that we have. What else? Habits. Habits. Okay. I think that probably fits into it. I put, my, the other two I had were attitudes and emotions. And I think that, you know, I think health probably fits into one of these as well. And anyway, those, I'm not saying those are all inclusive and I, I nailed them or anything, but what's that? Habits. Habits. Yeah. That's my father-in-law. I better write that one down. So with those things in mind, um, what are some specifics under possessions that we might have to give up? Home. Home. Cars. Cars. Money. Money. What else? Home. Home. 
all those areas, God knows our heart. He yes, he does. Heart. I mean, I'm, I'm to the summary, I know, but he wants our heart attuned to him. Right. And that could apply to any and all of those areas. Right. He doesn't yes. require that people sell their possessions. He requires a heart that's good. Right. So we, we, we get attached to things, don't we? We get attached to our house, we get attached to our car, we get attached to our wealth, we get attached to our kids, we get attached to our spouses, we get attached to our family in general, um, we get attached to our friends, we might get attached to our bosses, or I can tell you, you know, there's uh, at least one employee that I go, man, if anything, if he ever goes away, it's going to be, you know, difficult, but I know that the Lord has a plan in that. Um, Positions could be status in your job, positions in church or community, could re be respect. Um, it could be your position in the family. You know, I'm the firstborn, or, or you know, whatever. I'm, I'm the I'm the favored son, whatever. Um, it could be attitudes. I have a right to be angry. I'm a victim. Um, I'm superior because whatever. Emotions, anger, hurt, resentment. Do we own those things? Do they own us? A lot of times. Oftentimes they do. Is Jesus trying to get us to give up things that we can, that we can own or to free ourselves from things that own us? Hey, yeah. Say that again. Okay. All right. You got a different version. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that. Yes, possessions, and that's what we're talking about. You're right. Things that possess us more than we possess them, right? Yeah, and that's what that's what that idea of trust in, right? You're tr what are you trusting in? Um, Right, having hope or confidence in, exactly. Um, so what if I focus all my attention, uh, all my attention on get, getting rid of, rid of those things? Will that work? No. Why not? Because it's your heart. That's <laughs> it just changes my focus, right? What needs to be my focus? Christ, my Savior. What happens when I focus all of my attention on Him? Spending time with Him, enjoying Him, talking to Him, pleasing Him, seeking Him, obeying Him. What's that? Yes, yes. I see less and less of the stuff that possesses me that I claim to possess. Is it gone? Not necessarily. I mean, it may be. But the physical stuff is probably still there. I probably still have a house and a car. I probably still have a job. I'm probably still married and have kids and the other relationships. It's likely that my position in the community or church, those things hasn't changed. However, my attitudes and emotions will begin to change as Jesus becomes my focus. 
And it's important to understand that some of those things that I just mentioned, houses, cars, spouses, wives, kids, uh, all those different things, some of them, or even most of those things, may have to go away. Don't lose track of the fact that when answering Peter, Jesus said, yes, you will get back much, but you will also have persecution. You'll receive things in this world, but it may not be the things you're expecting or how you're expecting them. Why must some of these things go away? I don't really know. I'm not God. But He is, and He knows what you need. He knows what I need. He knows what I need to become more like Christ, and that is the goal. That's always the goal for me to become more like Christ. So if there's anything in the way of that, those are the things that have to be removed. Sometimes they have to be removed completely. Sometimes they physically have to be removed. And sometimes it's just, in my mind, they're gone. They're not mine anymore. They're not something I'm focused on. There's some people here who have lost large sums of money or property. Some have lost spouses. Some have lost children. Some have lost their positions. Perhaps some have been slandered and lost any number of things in that process. Why does God allow those things? Again, only He really knows the answer to that question. But ultimately, it will make us more like Christ. As we allow Him, as we agree with Him in those things, as we can say, I praise you in the midst of this difficulty, he says, I can, I can start to work with that. I can, I can make you more Christ-like. He knew that your sanctification process required some of those things or people had to go away and other things and people must be added. But it comes down to what's my attitude toward those things and toward those people? Are they mine? Or are they Christ's? Are they something that I own? Or is something that I'm borrowing? Or that's just passing through my life so that he can do what he needs to do to make me more like Christ? Um, this was just, you know, I'm going to put this up here just for grins, but Communism says you will own nothing and you will be happy. Jesus said you will be owned by nothing on earth and you will find rest for your soul. They sound kind of the same, but there's a big difference. You will own nothing and you'll be happy. No. You will be owned by nothing and you will find rest for your soul. As you let go of those things, you will find rest. As we let go of our possessions and we say, they're still here, I get that. Um, but I'm not relying on those things. I'm not resting on those things. I'm resting on Christ because He can take care of it no matter what. That's what He's promised. 
All right, we're getting down to the end here. So I think it's time to ask the burning question, what's the elephant in the room in this passage? I think it's this rich young man who has walked away. You know, it, it's like when Charlie's preaching a sermon up there and tells a story and, and you're like, wait, he didn't, he didn't give us a punchline, you know? And every now and then somebody will holler out, hey, so what happened, you know? Um, it's that same kind of an idea. It's like, oh, well, what happened to the guy? Well, we don't know. The text says that Jesus loved him, and yet he walked away. Does that trouble you? Yeah, right, exactly. Why do we not need to be troubled? Who understands love better, me or God? God does. Who understands this young man better, me or God? God does. Do you think we'll see that man in heaven? I tend to think so. You want to know why? I think it goes back to that, that question that Jesus asked him. I think he's a young man, he, he's you know, struggling, he's trying to figure these things out, and he hears about Jesus' death and resurrection, and he remembers those words of Jesus. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Oh, wow. So here's this guy who just got crucified, and then three days later, they're saying they can't find the body. Maybe he was. Maybe that's what he was getting at. Maybe he realized he had been looking into the face of the Son of God. I didn't realize it at the time. But here's this man who sacrificed everything for me. And so then this young man is ready to turn it and give everything up for him. So what possesses you? What captivates you? Did this young man ask this question because he was unsure of how to get to heaven? Yes. But the root of it was that even though he felt he had done all the right things, he still felt no peace. He knew he wasn't justified. He knew there was something missing. I feel like I've done all the right things, but something still isn't right. And that's what drives him to Jesus. What about you? If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you are justified. You've been justified by the blood of Christ. But maybe you still feel like something is missing. What are you hanging on to that takes the place of Jesus? What are you clinging to when you should be clinging to Him? What have you not left behind in order to follow Him? The most amazing part of being a child of God is seeing His patience with us and His faithfulness toward us. He will continue to allow us to hold on to our idols, but He will not allow us to be comfortable doing so. He will allow us to be miserable as we cling to things other than Him, and He will gently remind us 
that what we are holding on, of what we are holding on to, and then let us walk away on our misery until eventually we recognize and give it up. And then it's on to the next thing. Because we're usually holding on to something. It's called sanctification, and there's a reason it's called a process. Any other thoughts, questions, arguments? Yeah. You know, I think the key verse is verse 27. Mm-hmm. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All, All things are possible. possible with God. Yeah. Even though we have this junk that holds us back, that yep. keeps us from oh, I just can't get rid of it, the hurts, the habits, the, all of this stuff, you know? With, yeah. With faith, by faith we are saved through Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, this, and, and, and for us, this passage isn't about salvation. It's about finding peace and joy. It's about, do you want to, do you want to stop feeling like there's you know, something that's missing, do you want to stop feeling weighed down by these things? You know, he's saying you don't have to be weighed down by these things. I'm not going to come, there's sometimes he's going to just come yank something away. That happens sometimes. It definitely does. But a lot of it, he's going to let us continue to struggle with. Is, is this something that is of me or is this something that you're hanging on to? He's patient with us. It's amazing, really. Any other thoughts? Well, I had yeah. somebody just talked about habits. Mm-hmm. Not just take it away, but replace it, become follow me. Do right. this, get rid of this, and instead follow me. So yeah. I think if we have habits, we can take those away, but we've got to fill it with something. Yeah. So don't fill it with something else that doesn't satisfy, but right. come follow me. Yeah. Yeah, I think oftentimes of the, you know, Jesus talking about the, you know, the demon leaves the, the house and, you know, goes looking somewhere else and comes back and finds it swept clean and it looks really nice. Um, and it goes and finds seven demons or however many more worse than it is and, and comes back and the, the result of that man is worse than it was at the beginning. And it, that's the case. If we're, we can say, I'm going to get rid of these things, I'm going to get rid of these habits, I'm going to get rid of these bad thoughts, whatever it is. But what am I filling my mind back up with? Because if I'm just emptying it, you know, you hear all this new age, empty your mind. Oh, Lord, please no. That's, that's horrible. That is not a, that's not a good place to be because, because Satan is more than ready to fill that with something else. We, we can, you know, I can, I can bring somebody else back and, and we can take care of that. But yeah, we must. It, it, it comes down to am I filling myself with Christ? Am I seeking him? Am I... Um, spending time with him, and so, all right. Anybody else? All right. Oh, yeah, Ann. I think you could probably take in everything by saying you're giving up your will for his will. Yeah, yeah. It's a long way of saying that, but yeah, that's what we said. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jake, would you pray for us? Amen. Thank you, everybody.